If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 209. This is our 2022 AT&T Byron Nelson Plus Sudal Open Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamber, to discuss this week's PGA and DP World Tour action and betting selections. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, tournament strokes gained analysis, tournament form statistics, plus our predictive models. All of these features like this podcast are completely free of charge. There is no paywall. Barry on Twitter is at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, where I present the golf betting show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. As I say, you can actually listen to this podcast on the YouTube channel. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. This one is entitled Englishman, Irishman and Steve Bamford. Five stars. Greetings. Love listening to this podcast every every week from Almeida, California. The lads' knowledge and stats are second to none. They explore the course and cover everything from course changes year to year to weather, strokes gained tee to green and everything in between. Everything is given to you as a listener to make an informed, confident decision for your golf betting. Great stuff, chaps. Uh, Enjoy your golf betting week. And that is from Marcus Watson, who clearly is in Almeida, California. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Marcus, for that review. Very nice. I've got a shout-out as well, chaps. Our first ever shout-out. I was asked a few weeks ago to push a shout-out out there. So, this is a shout-out for the Four Putters. That is their WhatsApp group name. The Four Putters. And they are Nelly, who sent me the message, John, Billy, Whittles... And Fardalar. Nelly, John, Billy, Whittles and Fardalar. The four putters. Thanks for supporting the show, chaps. Indeed, yes. Thank you very much. I'm glad it's a group of four people and not people who four put. There's Nelly, he's one. one. John is two, Billy's three, Whittles is four and five is Fardalar. So there's actually five of them and they're called the four putters. So if you were following them, they're making 20 putts per hole. Oh, no. <laughs> My coffee needs to kick in. <laughs> I mean, that'd be like playing with Kevin Nahr or someone like that, wouldn't it? Or Keegan Bradley, for example. <laughs> well, you wouldn't really get into much of a rhythm. Mm. That's that's some needle. <laughs> You're supposed to be a good winner, Steve. What's going on? Well, should we talk about last week? Please. Let's talk about the um, Betfred British Masters first, shall we? What happened, Paul? Yeah, well, uh, I, the finish was incredible, wasn't it? I don't know if you saw the the recovery from Thurborn Olsen at the end to uh, to win from seemingly having snatched uh, success and then defeat and then uh, made eagle birdie over the last two holes with, with two absolute bombs to... Uh, to break Sebastian Soderberg's heart. I mean, Soderberg didn't do anything whatsoever he, wrong whatsoever. He posted his uh, total sitting in the clubhouse. And 
Olsen came along and uh, just just robbed him at the end. Simple as that. It was just theft, wasn't it? But, what uh, makes the Belfry so tricky? Is it, well, and this is this is probably the point, really, because you know I, I I didn't see many people tipping up um, Olsen last week, and you could have made a tentative case for him because there was the odd decent round in the last few weeks, but. Um, nothing special and it's generally a, a really strong tee to green test you've got to be um, hitting your ball you got to, you know it's a, it's a ball striking test yet Olsen came out and uh, and, and just putted his way to victory effectively mm. and uh, it kind of kind of blows that model um, or that that assumption or that narrative out of the water but you know you see this time and again don't you, you, you someone can just come along and have um, an incredible week or make some putts at the right time as he did there and um, it just uh, completely flips everything on its uh, on its head but uh, uh, that's gold for you isn't it am i wrong in saying that he seems to fire up on classical tree lined english courses or e- not even necessarily english but just he just seems uh, seems to pop in my head for these, and he didn't pop in it for last week. But yeah, he's one at Perth, isn't he? Which you could have drawn some some parallels to it to a certain degree. I and mean, Perth's a little bit wider, I'd have thought. But um, yeah, where else? St Andrews, he won, didn't he? Or the the Dunhill Links? Um, I don't know. I, I you know again, you could infer that there's a level of um, you know firmness in terms of the the the, the Green, or the greens or the or the fairways sometimes, and you can kind of time into that as well. But mm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it was just mm. his his time. It was his week, and um, if you you do what he did there at the end and nail a couple of 30, 40 footers to to get yourself over the line, then um, fair play to you. Really good. Not so good from the betting perspective, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, of the players that I had that were fringy. Um, Justin Harding was probably the most disappointing oh, from my perspective. Was he like second tee to green and like ninety fifth uh, in the field for strokes game putting or something like that? I saw yesterday. It was, um, you know, when you, you look at it, you boil it down. He finished five back in the end. There was a stretch on uh, Friday, I think it was, where he missed. I think it was something like seven um, putts from inside four feet in the space of about 10 holes. It was just relentless. Whatever happened to him mentally at that point um, with the short putts, he just couldn't make one. And he was missing them from four feet, three feet, three and a half feet, from two and a half feet. Ev- everything, literally everything was missing. And, uh, you know, and another week he makes those putts, he wins the tournament. And, uh, yeah, frustrating. Did you, did you mention off mic that Daniel Van Tonders, the last one to get into the PGA Championship field? He, he whether he's he, physically the last one, I don't know. But he's uh, in at one hundred three, yeah, one hundred third in the world. So yeah, he's um, just going through the list of qualifiers this morning. He's uh, he's managed to sneak into the field for next week, which uh, which is huge for him. Yeah, there's a, a lot of additions actually um, over the last uh, yeah. overnight from yesterday. So. There is a lot here. Harding squeaked in as well. I'm seeing mm. Harding in. As ever, it's going to be a fantastic field. Just to for note for listeners, we will be doing a PGA Championship research podcast this week, later this week. So keep that in mind. I'll tell you another thing about the Belfry. To get that course so bouncy and firm in... Um, the first week of May, that's some effort <laughs> in Birmingham. Yeah, it just shows you been... what a kind of dry summer we've had and dry. It's dry summer, dry winter, and dry spring. Yeah, there's not been much rain about us there, but uh, I mean, generally, it's a it's, it's a tricky course, isn't it? And you know, if you, if you add some real wind in there one year, um, you know, it could, it could be really quite brutal if it was firm and windy over there at the same time, but. Um, yeah, no, good test, good test. Um, just ultimately a little bit disappointing with with Harden and, and Jordan Smith as well, who kind of flattered at various points and then still didn't uh, didn't get into the mix really. I had a final hole bogey on J C Ritchie. You did, yeah, yeah. hundred or hundred twenty five to one. Uh, it was so close, but uh, not bad, not bad for for me on the European tour to get somebody to make the cut as an achievement. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, oh, that that final hole's brutal as well, isn't it? So you know, it's, yeah, 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 it's it's a par four and a half. Yeah, pa- par's a great score on that eighteenth. Uh, so 
Yeah, no, but that's unlucky, Barry. But uh, you made you made up. Well, you both made up for it in spades over on the PGA Tour with your Homer selections. So well done, both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. He's, nice he's, a pro, he's a proper player, Max Homer. He's a proper. He's yeah. getting more consistent, but he'll he's boom or bust, isn't he? I've put him up before, and he's missed the cut. And he, when he misses the cut, he misses the cut badly. But when he's in contention, the guy is pretty stone wall, isn't he? That's four PGA Tour victories now. Mm. He's a bit of a killer, isn't he? He's, he's a, bit a bit of an bit assassin of killer, when, yeah. he, when he gets up there. He's like a he's like a cute assassin, isn't he? he he's he's a he, you know he's, he's not one of the he's not like Brooks Kepka strutting around and grunting and all this rubbish. He just play lets the clubs do the talking, doesn't he? And even when he celebrates, there's just that little fist pump, not nothing major. Bang. I had a message here, guys. Uh, it was on Twitter from John, at BetWinners123. He sent this to us. I listened to the podcast yesterday, which I think would have been Saturday. Went out for a walk with a dog. Eerily accurate. Weather, scores, the whole lot. Well played. It's true, actually. We, t- we spoke through that, the whole the course, how difficult it was. We went through the weather. How it was going to be an absolute nightmare. I said, I said high single digits. Mm. I, w- I was hearing 13, 14 under a win. I'm looking at the forecast going, no chance. That place is major championship tough. Mm. When the wind blows, that's a nightmare, that golf course. And slowly but surely, those players that you kind of fancy in those conditions start to levitate up the leaderboard. Once we'd got through the first round, you know, and people are out there scoring some quite low scores because it wasn't very testing and the wind, there was no wind at all. And then on the Friday, it just started to turn and all of a sudden you start to see players levitate. You know, the the proper players that are actually going to contend for this. Yeah. Yeah, good. I enjoyed it. That, That to me is proper professional golf those kind of tournaments where they're grinding and the rain they couldn't get off the course there was no electrical activity yeah yeah. they just had to grind it out i was actually when i was watching that it was so it was almost fascinating to watch them play the whole round in the rain for what i was watching because we just don't get to see it that often on the pga tour because Mm. rain usually is accompanied by electrical activity and they are off the course and um it just it was um a it felt like a unique thing to be able to watch them really grind through that um it's a talent to be able to get get around when when the conditions are like that yeah yeah going back to the point of the tweet steve um i think if you i haven't done the maths to to work it through but i think if you put down the various players that we had picked between us um as a draftkings team last week you'd have been pretty damn close to winning the the whole lot, I think. Um, assuming you could have squeezed the ball in under the uh, under the salary. Because we're talking um, Homer, who won, of course, for you guys. Um, Bradley, who um, threw gritted teeth for myself, um, finished second. Uh, yeah. Joel Damon, you talked about, Barry. Um, Luke Listen. Oh, he fell away. <laughs> he, he went into reverse big time. Yeah, at he once, did. Yeah, at once, yeah. at but, once from, from halfway through... I think it was from the ninth hole in the second round to something like uh, midway through his front nine on, or on his, his fourth round. He made 17, 17 drop shots before he made a birdie. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It was a weird stretch. Yeah, it was. After it was starting awesome. so well. But yeah, but yeah uh, Damon, um, Luke List, and. You Matt had Luke List. He was, he was there or thereabouts for a lot of it. Yeah, Matt Fitz, who you put up as well, finished in tie for second in the end, didn't he? So there's mm. um, a lot of chances and a lot of, um, a lot of good scoring players if you were doing it from a from a fantasy golf perspective so uh, yeah it'd be, be nice if someone did manage to cobble a team together from some of our some of our thoughts and made a few quid for the record Ho- should- homer was 40 to 1 fitzpatrick who was second was 20 to 1 and bradley who was also in a tie for second was he 33s or 35s yeah yeah, yeah well, i took 33s but i think there was a little bit of 35s but with yeah. less places out there we should come. This should all come with a warning that this is an unusual week where we get so many players correct. Like mm. that just doesn't happen every week. Uh, but it was, you know, factors kind of came together quite nicely with the course and the conditions to be able to to help us nar- help narrow it down last week. I felt mm. um, there were there, there were plenty of narratives for sure. Yeah, 
that you could find. Flying around was intense to watch. Like it was, it felt like there was never a hole where the difference in scores between Homa and Bradley cha- um, didn't change. It was quite a nervy watch. Uh, I, I, I always kind of felt that Max was going to get it done on this, uh, you know, on the final day, but there were times where he was, you know, significantly, you know, in trouble or behind, you know, running into problems and you're like god maybe this isn't going to go well and then keegan bradley gets like the nosebleed at the top of the leaderboard and just like ejects yeah yeah i i sent a i was quite cruel to paul yesterday actually i I didn't do it intentionally paul it's just but i i found this statistic about keegan bradley he is now oh from four when it comes to 54 hole leads on the pga tour yeah yeah, what would have been handy is to have had that probably Sunday morning, and then I could have laid some of it, uh, some some of it off, and mm. it would have been slightly less painful. But uh, no, this is that's the way the game goes, isn't it? And uh, no, ultimately, I'm delighted for you guys to have picked up uh, another win on the PGA Tour. So all good. What do you think, Barry, for Max Homer next week at the PGA? Because as we know, a winner at Quail Hollow. A winner at Riviera Country Club, and now a winner at TPC uh, Potomac. See, I got it right again, Paul. Yep, very good. I'm seeing him at eighty to one with Betfred and Boyle Sports right now. Only six places each way. Um, I'm very interested for the PGA next week. I'm very interested. I immediately put him down in my notes for the PGA. Um, he probably would have popped in my head anyway, but this. He's he's winning. He's won on different, you know, types of golf courses, different types of conditions as well. So this yeah. was a soft week. He won at Riviera when it was hard, firm and fast. So if yeah. they can get Southern Hills firm and fast, that doesn't scare me. Um, like the long game's in great shape, and I'm just trying to look back at the lessons from the Masters, where we all tried to outthink everything instead of choosing the two hottest golfers on the planet at the time, who were Scheffler and Smith. We all tried to get too too smart and wander around the place. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, do you, you know, know there's, a, there's a trend here that such and such and such and such and such and such we, won't win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're smarter. <laughs> we're smarter than their skills, which is a complete shit show. So, <laughs> and, we, and we've been watching, and we've been, fought, we've been, you know, we've backed Max a couple of times recently. We've seen how well he's playing and finishes in a win and takes a week off now. He'll be ripping to go. The so, crazy uh, thing, like, look at it. Listen to this, Barry. You're going to love this. The crazy thing is, though, bet Fred, Max Homer, eighty to one. Yeah, for the PGA Championship. Paul I Casey, Paul Casey, <laughs> forty-five to one. I, I don't um, need to say anymore, do I? Forty-five to one, Paul Casey, eighty to one, Max Homer, right now with bet Fred for the PGA Championship. Yeah, I suppose you might get your money back if uh, Casey pulls out before the start of the first round again. <laughs> You'd need a hundred to one that the boat's even going to start, wouldn't you, Paul Casey? He'd probably be on the ting and go, oh, no, 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 that's me. That's me. Yeah. He's, a, he's certainly a very dangerous DraftKings player at the moment, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he's, very he's very low yeah, owned. He's very low owned. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm gonna, oh, I'll come. Yeah, and one week I'll come I'm back and moan when he withdraws. Yeah, but he will come back and bite everyone on the backside at some point because um, everyone will lose trust in, or faith in putting him in a team. And uh, one week he'll play, and then he'll win or he'll contend, and um, he'll be very lightly owned. But uh, did you say yeah, the other I'll, day that that the BMW International Open's occurring soon? <laughs> yeah. Because that is Paul Casey turns up and wins yeah. eighteen to one territory, and you know pops it. Over. Yeah, pops over for you're the KLM going. Open. I'm not going to back Paul Casey. He can't even hold a club, and then all of a sudden, twenty two under par, wins by yeah. one. Paul yeah. Casey, the swing's looking perfect. The back spasms have all gone. <laughs> yeah. He's he's chatting to Ban. He's chit. He's chatting to Tim Barter strutting down the fairway on the Sunday, leading by six. Mm. Yeah, this is great, Tim. My back's never felt better. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you, do, you, do you think he? Do you think he has a go/no-go no go decision based on his DraftKings ownership percentage? <laughs> <laughs> I 
it, it's, it's got to be tight, the decision, hasn't it? Because he's turning up to these events and he is going through the yeah. motions as if he's going to play. And then um, he's, he's just pulling out at the last minute. Things aren't right. And whether he needs to then take some time, some proper time to let whatever the underlying issues are heal, um, rather than trying to kind of push it each week. I don't know. It's... Um, but yeah, he's completely off my roster at the moment, which um, I'm sure I speak for many a player um, who's doing the same thing. Um, back, like back to back to Max then, because I just want, don't want to talk about Paul Casey anymore. I mean, mm. if we can get Max at sixty six to one with extended places next week, um, I'm very very deep on that. But a top thirty player in the world won twice this year, and he's sixty six to one. Like, there's something very mismatched about that. Yep. Mm. Sitting seventh in the President's Cup points for Team USA now. So it looks like he might be playing that to, to Quail Hollow. I mean, he's, he's, he's quality, isn't he? You can, In fact, you listen to this. You compare Max Homer and how what Max Homer does has done since mid-2019 and the amount of victories and contending performances he's had. You compare that to someone like Daniel Berger. People rave about Daniel Berger, don't they? They absolutely mm. rave about the guy, some people. They're proper Daniel Berger truthers. I'm going to be getting hate mail here. I know that. <laughs> but you look at the cold, hard facts on Daniel Berger, yeah? I'm just bringing him up. It's, Steve, it's four, the way you say Daniel P- Berger. Well, four PGA victories... And he became a PGA Tour member, I believe, in 2015. Mm. So seven years, and he's had four victories. Two of them at the FedEx St. Jude Classic in 16 and 17. And then you compare that to Homer recently. Different gravy. Totally different gravy. And Daniel Berger is sitting, as he usually is, I can see him at 33-1 to for the PGA Championship next week. And I'm seeing Homer sixty sixes. Let's not get let's not get let's not get too hard on Burger. I think that the comparison. Look, they've oh, sorry, I'm seeing Homer eighties. Don't, don't forget the eighties at Betfred or Boyle Sports. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, four four wins is a phenomenal PGA Tour career. But I think the difference in the, the last two three years, maybe between Homer and Burger, is that. Homer's show is that showing that he's a closer and yep. Berger isn't a closer. Exactly. Berger seems to get a bit nervy and twitchy when it gets to that the heat, real heat of the battle. I'm not I'm not um I'm not down on Berger as such, but I'm just trying to highlight mm-hmm. and we've had this discussion on this podcast many hundreds of times. It's closers, isn't it? It's players yep. that can actually get the job done. Because that's what we need as betters, isn't it? We actually need victories. Top fives at sixteen to one for Daniel Berger. Yeah, don't really do a lot for you for your for your profit and loss, does it? You need those victories. Mm-hmm. And Homer's definitely. I mean, we won't even go down T two Tony territory. But yeah, interesting tournament. Let us, we should move on because otherwise it's going to be in like an hour and a half podcast, and we haven't got time. And the, the listeners haven't got the inclination. So this week's um, PGA Two affair is the AT&T Byron Nelson, which is a pretty historic event on the PJ Tour. I've been around for donkey's years. It hasn't been around for donkey's years on this particular course. We'll cover that off in a short while. Um, let me just bring up Bet365. In terms of the very best player odds this week, Bet365 are dominating on best golf prices right now. 2022 to date, they have been best price or equal best price on, listen to this, 83% of PGA Tour and DP World Tour player fields. That's crazy. 83%. So over four in five players are equal best or best price with Bet365 so far in 2022. You have to say that's impressive. For those of you wanting the best golf odds right now, we recommend Bet365. If you are 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account, you can find details of their current Bet £10, get £50 in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer, plus T's and C's in the podcast description. Right, I must say, one of the players I've tipped up this week, uh, I know that he was, I think he was a 66-1 to chance with the eight places this week, 
And when I put him up yesterday afternoon, he was 90 to 1 with Bet365, which is pretty crazy. But you know me, I'm completely, I'm completely sort of anti Paul Williams. Paul would have gone for the nineties. I go for the additional places, but it's all down to personal choice. This golf course, we only saw it last year. It's TPC Craig Ranch, and all you know, I sometimes I lovingly go into all of the you know course details and whatever. But basically, this is just standard fare. Seventh and seven thousand four hundred sixty-eight yards. It's a par seventy-two. It's Parkland. It's a Wisecoff design. It's wide off the tee. It is there for the taking. It was the fourth easiest PGA Tour stop-off last year. One interesting thing of note, though, and one thing I will bring to the table, bent grass greens. So we haven't seen a lot of bent grass action recently. I think last week was only the second time on the tour so far in 2022. And this is this is the kind of thing that really gets my um, agronomy feelers going. This golf course features zoysia grass. So zoysia grass fairways. Now that's quite a rarity on the PGA Tour. You've got to think zoysia grass. Think Tour Championship. So think East Lake in um, Atlanta, Georgia. And also think TPC Southwind, where they've played the St. Jude Invitational WGC event for the last three years, I think. And also the FedEx St. Jude Classic before that. Mm. It's usually combined with Bermuda, isn't it, in the greens? It's an, it's an odd combination this week with zoysia and bent grass. You've hit the nail on the head. I don't. The only time we've ever seen that was actually at a PGA Championship, which they played at Bell Reeve Country Club. That was the one Kepka won from a yep. very hard charging Tiger Woods in 2018. Mm. That mixture of zoysia and bent, rare. Not so rare, though, on the Corn Ferry when I've really looked into it. There's, there's a th- couple of stop-offs on the Corn Ferry Tour down in the south, you know, Alabama, these kind of places, where they do have a mixture of bent and zoysia. Uh, there's also one in Missouri, but we might go into that in a little bit more detail in a while. But yes, 25 under one this last year, K.H. Lee. I think you've done well to pick KH out. He was a 200 to 1 chance. And that's the thing with this AT&T Byron Nelson. I'll just go through the winners' prices. KH Lee at 200 to 1. Sung Kang at 125 to 1. He won that um, at the golf course. I always forget the name of. Uh, Trinity Forest. Aaron Wise at 50s. Billy Horshaw at 125s. And then we eventually we get to a shorter price winner, Sergio Garcia in 2016. He won at the old, um, is it Las Colinas, I think it was called? Yep. He won that 25 to 1. The average winning price since, since 2010 of the AT&T Byron Nelson. This is all before you start jumping on Justin Thomas at 14 to 1 who was practising at Southern Hills yesterday, nowhere near the Byron Nelson golf course. 145 to 1, the overall average winning price of this tournament since 2010. And we're talking about a tournament now that is the week before the PGA Championship. Mm. So forget about the agronomy and all this. The thing that I was trying to get my head around is, when you look at the betting, and I've got to say it's a great field, really, really good field. Um, Scheffler is the favourite. He's a don't forget this is Dallas, Texas. It's a it's a you know it's a, it's in the burbs of Dallas, right? So it's a golfing community. We've got a big contingent of PJ Pro uh, PJ Tour pros that live around here. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, a complete coincidence as well. The last two winners have been South Korean because the South Koreans all base themselves in Dallas. So we've had Kang, and we've had KH Lee. So there's there you could build a case around Siwoo Kim this week. He's a local lad. Must I think they play these courses on a regular basis just for practice facilities. Would not be surprised in the in it at all that that's the case. You won't find anything on Google about that. Anyway, Scheffler's ten to one. He's a local lad. Uh, Justin Thomas is a fourteen to one chance. 
Then we've got Xander at 20s, DJ at 22s with Jordan Spieth, and we know that Jordan Spieth's a Dallas man. Yeah. Um, Sam Burns is actually shorter than DJ and um, Spieth. Sam Burns is a 21 chance. Zalatoris at 22s, and then we're out to the likes of Matsuama, I'm seeing a 30s. Uh, I'm also seeing 30s on Wacky Neiman. There's the constant debate now this week will be will Brooks Kepka win a, a ceiling, you know, a ceiling price of 33 to 1 on Brooks Kepka. And then we're out to the likes of Gooch at 45s, Cochrag, Adam Scott, Tommy Fleetwood at 50s. Good field. Very good field. Um, what I, the, the thing I was trying to get around in my head is, out of those elite players, who are the ones that actually give a toss this week? Yeah, yeah. And you also need to get someone who's capable and, I guess, willing the week before a PGA Championship to go seriously deep in terms of the scoring. So you're talking about 25 under last year. You know, it's proper resort level scoring, isn't it? It's, it's, I think it's not Paul, what you're going to see next week, is it? It's, Paul, I think the scoring's going to be even lower. Right. We saw last year two of the rounds, it was gusting 20-odd mile an hour. Mm. We're not going to see that this year. The final, um, The Saturday was gusting 25. The Sunday was gusting 22. That was, I think it was suspended for rain as well, just to soften the old course down. Even even on the Friday, it was gusting 18 miles an hour. So this year is going to be, get this, it's going to be warmer. It's going to be up into the, it's going to be up into the mid 30s degrees Celsius. It's going to be proper, proper hot. There's no wind. This could be 30 under par. Yeah, sounds like it. 62, 63 is all over the place by the sounds of it. And you just know that Barry would tell you, you know, the da- the local um, <laughs> the local McKinney fire appliances will be in play this week. They're they're probably sitting in the car park at TPC Craig Ranch right now, pumping water all over those greens. So I think it's gonna be thirty under par. Yeah, <clears throat> but in in their defence. Uh, they have to because it's going to be mid thirties. With that temperature, yeah. they have to, or they'll lose the greens. No, the bent grass greens can't cope with that guy. Yeah, it's just not going to no, work. Too hot. So, yeah, let's get ready for birdies and eagles. It's going to be insane. It's going to be low. It's completely the total opposite of what we saw at um, the two tournaments last week. Yeah. Um, I only had. I literally would have been fairly happy when I started my preview to actually tip up one individual. And that individual, this sounds absolutely mad, but the one player I've had in mind for this for a couple of weeks, and when I saw the weather forecast and there was little wind in it, the one player I wanted on my side was Adam Hadwin. Because if you want a guy that shoots low scores, this guy shot a 13 under par 59 at PJ West in 2017. Yeah. And actually, when you look at last year, and I know it's only, you know, I'll be getting the usual tweet, oh, it's only a sample size of one year, Steve. Yes, it's a sample size of one year. I'm seeing kind of mid-range drivers quite close to the top of the leaderboard. Yes, Sam Burns is a bit of a bomber, but even that week, he was only 27th for driving distance out of the players that made the cut. He wasn't exactly unleashing everything he had that week, Burns. So this kind of mid-range driver, like a Hadwin, who can just plot his way around the golf course. I basically was looking this week for players that go well in kind of Astrodome, desert-type golf tournaments. We know all the, the events, the American Express, the old Bob Oak Classic, the Shriners Open. These kind of events, the CJ Cup last year, which Rory won at a ridiculously under-par score. Even someone like Kapalua, where clearly it was um, Ram and Smith going into it. Was it 33 under par or something mad this, this yeah. year? You need players that can go low this week. And Hadwin was just the first one on my list. I managed to get 66 to 1 on Hadwin with Paddy Power, which I thought was an amazing... When that came up yesterday at lunchtime, I thought, 66 to 1 on Hadwin? That is a shocking price, as in amazingly good value price. 
In my eight-week strokes gain trackers, I'm seeing him second behind only world number one Scotty Scheffler over the last eight weeks for strokes gained approach, tee to green, and strokes gained current fall. And we got him at 66s. That's crazy, mate. Yeah. No, he's been playing some good stuff, hasn't he? What, ninth? President's Cup year as well, Paul. President's Cup year. He's out of the top 12 at the moment, and... Hadwin is a proud member of that team. He's been in the last two um, last two renewals. Mm. He doesn't win enough, but you can't say Hadwin. When he gets in contention, he tends to hang around, and at some point he might pick one up. I yeah. think Hadwin's a great bet this week. I'm seeing him as big as 50s still with Paddy Power, eight places. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's lots of like, isn't there? Ninth of the players. Fourth at the Texas Open before the Masters. So in terms of this narrative of pre-majors, can you know the, the players that will um, attempt to to win or contend in a tournament, then uh, you know there's some, some recent form there, isn't there? Some recent pointers for Hadwin as well. If it was blowing 25 plus, I wouldn't have gone near the bloke because I've mm. said this for years, the guy struggles in the wind. But when I'm seeing a relatively low wind renewal of this, I'm all over Hadwin. Yeah. Um, um, it's difficult, isn't it? It really is difficult. Um, you know as well as I do, Paul, that I, I was going to tip up Adam Schenk at 250 to 1, but I changed my mind on Schenk. I genuinely think Schenk's got a great chance this week of at least getting an each-way return because mm. he's another one. You look at Adam Schenk. These, I think he was third at the Shriners last year. When there's birdies at play, that Schenk guy kinds of pops up and to find him in the top 10 last week at a grinding technical high scoring tournament like Potomac Potomac um, that isn't Adam Schenk's jam his jam's this kind of event so I wouldn't be surprised if Schenk gets in the mix I actually in the end went for Brandon Wu 125 to 1 with William Hill I got yesterday 8 places each way on Brandon Wu he's up 200 spots in the official world golf rankings Third in Puerto Rico, 33rd at the Valspar, 28th the Corrales, second at the Mexico Open. And he's got, when you look at his Corn Ferry history, he had a ninth at the Price Cutter Championship. Now that is played uh, in, I think it's Missouri. And again, it's one of these weird courses, Zoysia Grass Fairways, Bent Grass Greens. He was also second at the Boise Open, first at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, which they played at Victoria National Golf Club. All of those, Bentgrass, there's a little mix of power at Boise, but Bentgrass Greens. Um, 2021, he was also seventh at the Huntsville Championship. Again, he was second going into Sunday. That's another course in Alabama that features Zoysia Grass Fairways and Bentgrass Greens. So I was, I was looking through all of this data from the Corn Ferry, and this Brandon Wu just kept popping up popping up in high positions on leaderboards with zoysia grass and bent grass greens. And then you just tally that up with the fact that he's had a third in Puerto Rico, a second in the Mexico Open. He's clearly hitting his straps on the PJ Tour. Young, vibrant. We've had 125 win- to one winners of this tournament, I think twice in the last four renewals. So I'm on Brandon Wu, 125 to one. Um, he was sixth going into Sunday at the 2019 Houston Open and that was only his third start as a professional. You might remember Brandon Wu, he's the he's he's one of these he went to Stanford, so he's constantly linked to Tiger Woods. But this this Brandon Wu's a good player. I know Steve Palmer was waxing lyrically about it about him on his podcast last week. So I'm thinking if it's good enough for Steve Palmer, it's good enough for me. So I'm in on part of Brandon Wu at 125 to 1. Um, any players that take your interest before I go into my final um, three selections? Just throw them in there. Doesn't matter what the price is. Yeah, let's, let's crack through them. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got two that I've backed. Um, I've stuck with Cameron Champ, um, fifty to one. I took with eight places. Again, there's sixty sixes out there if you if you want to take the, the less places. But tenth um, and sixth from his last two starts. We've talked about how he can push on from a top ten. Whether he can do it from two consecutive top tens, we shall. We shall see, but um, yeah. 55th here last year. There was a 66 in the second round, so that was reasonably good, and he's in far, far, far better form now this year than he was last year. So, um, yeah, out of curiosity, really, to see if he can continue that. But I think, theoretically, this suits quite nicely for Champ. Um, 
to champ and also I've backed JJ Spawn going back to that um uh, the the Texas Open so pre the Masters that was when he won mm. um and again taking that kind of thought process forward to another pre major tournament in Texas as well um perhaps two and two together can can become four this week and we, I, if you look through his form historically we've seen him contend in clumps of uh, results mm. you know. yeah even going back to some of his very early days when he finds some form he can uh, he, he can string a few of these big you know strong performances together um, over the course of a few weeks or months uh, 47th here last year doesn't shout much when you look at it, but he was the first round leader. He was fifth to the halfway point. And again, he's in much better winning form right now. So, um, so yeah, Spawn and Champ for me, for the two that are back so far. I'm glad you've covered Champ as a podcast because we were saying, weren't we, after Mexico, I wonder if Champ can string three together. Mm, we know that yeah, he's, definitely. again, he's a he's similar to Homer, although the, the, the wins that... Champ tends to have her at a lower level on 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 easier golf courses. Mm. So yeah, I'm glad you covered Champ. Spawn, yeah, he's just one of those types, isn't he? Yeah, such yeah. a good ball striker when he's on it can compile really low scores. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think I think it was 63 shot in the first round here last year. So you know, he's proven that he can go low on this particular track as well. So 100 to one with eight places, I thought it was worth a dabble. Let's see what the whisper has got in his. Um, <laughs> in his selection. I know the first thing Barry will say is, oh, I don't like these. Firstly, he'll say you don't like pre-major events. And secondly, he'll say you don't like birdie fests. Well, yeah, I don't like pre-major. Well, pre-major events are hard to pick because you just don't know who, where everybody's focus is. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to... I feel like I struggle with picking uh, golfers in the birdie fests. Yeah. Um, well, it's so more random, isn't it? it Let's go with that as my excuse. Yeah, which is um, so, yeah, I know. So, look, this week, yeah, I'm not gonna say. Yeah, I was steering well away from the top of the market, and my first pick is Jonathan Vegas. Yeah, he hung so around he last was, week. Yeah, fifteenth last week and ninth here last year. So coming coming out of last week's difficult conditions into a course that he uh, had a top ten on last year, he'll. You'll probably feel pretty good about uh, life, you know, nice and easy this week. So mm. hopefully the birdies can flow. And then another one, I've just, he, I don't know why, but Sahith Tigala popped in my head. And I was just looking at the Waste Management Phoenix results from earlier this year. And he finished fifth, tied third, actually. Sorry, but yeah, just look at the quick leaderboard here. So. I just wonder whether this is the kind of event that somebody could pick off when they're theoretically somebody that won't be winning next week because they just don't have the experience under the belt. Or um, so anyway, that's what Tigala. I got him at hundred to one, eight places. I, I don't, I do don't like know how Adam. I don't know how you join the dots, Barry, but you're very insightful because. You you think of KH Lee. What was the one tournament he came very close to winning before he won this last year? Can you remember? He was a shot back of Brooks Kepka at the Waste Management Phoenix Open last year. So then you put up Sahith to see Tigala, who was leading that Waste Management Phoenix Open mm. this year for a huge chunk of it. Yep. Good thinking. I like it. The sort is what I'd say. Tigala. Definitely. Yeah, let's see. I don't let's know. I like, the, I, I, I like the hard one shape, though. Just, yeah, the beast for scoring when the conditions are uh, benign. Metrodome, yeah, yeah. Mm. This is it. The other ones I've gone for, a local lad. He's desperate for his first PGA Tour victory. He's played here tens of times, if not hundreds. He's going to be well supported. Um, he's a Dallas, Texas boy. He's far too good not to be a PJ Tour winner. And for me, he's actually started to putt well, which has always been his huge weakness. He was putting really well when we were in Texas last at the um, WGC match play, which was his last um, outing in Texas. Uh, he made the quarterfinals. 
He then ranked in the top 11 for strokes gained putting at the Masters, where he finished sixth. And he was fourth last time out with uh, my friend Davis Riley, who got me a good each-way place at the Mexico Open. That was Birdie City, as it always is, Zurich Classic and New Orleans team event. It was interesting, um, this particular individual was eight under par for the third round of that, which was when they were playing um, their own ball and putting very, very, very nicely. Will Zalatoris. I managed to scrag 25 to 1 on William Hill with him, eight place each way yesterday, on Will Zalatoris. Willie Z. And I often think, oh, Will Zalatoris. Oh, bloody hell, he can't, he can't make enough birdies. Sixth at the American Express in January. And he produced a 11 under par 61 on Friday. Yeah, I remember that. I remember, yeah. He was like under and something. In the, and all of a sudden, you just saw the leaderboard. Zalatoris mm. birdie. Ten minutes later, Zalatoris birdie. Yeah, it was just flying, like flying through. So, yeah. For me, of the short prices at, at a birdie fest, which I think a lot of the elite guys have got no interest. I mean, when you're seeing Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth playing Southern Hills yesterday, do you genuinely think that they were up for winning the AT&T Byron Nelson this week? No, <laughs> when they're, they're not, trying to hit When the they're in shots. a different state on the Monday playing the yeah. major golf course. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't make yeah, sense. They're trying to dial in the right kind of ball flight and shots that they think they'll need next week. Yeah. Surely, if that's me, that's what I'm doing anyway. Yeah. I think and if, you, if you, I mean, we've seen Spieth. Spieth can't. Spieth does like to go into a major, especially a major where he's going for the Grand Slam. I don't think Jordan Spieth will be missing the cut, and I, I expect Jordan Spieth. Bearing in mind he was first round leader here last year, I think, or he was he was up there with JJ Spawn, and he was contending. He was only three off the lead. He was third going into the final round. Um, I don't. Um, and this is a tournament, again, of Byron Nelson, that he holds close to his heart because he's a local lad. I don't think you're going to see Jordan Spieth miss the cut and not be interested. I think he could be a contender. Does he win? Not sure. But I think Zalatoris, again, another local guy that hasn't won on tour. And we saw what sort of happened with Scotty Scheffler when he got his first victory earlier this year. I'm not su- suggesting that that will happen to Willie Z. But getting that win at his local tournament, I think, will be far more in the mind of Will Zalatoris this week than the PGA Championship next week. That's my that's my train of thought. The other one I do like, 40-1, to 1, I went on Talor, Taylor Gooch. I just think Gooch, again, he's another one. For me, Gooch, better in tournaments where low scoring. He was fourth at PGA West in 2019 at 24 under par. Even this season, 21 under par at the Summit Club. That was the CJ Cup that... Rory McIlroy won in Las Vegas, and he won at Sea Island, the uh, the RSM Classic, at 22 under. Uh, I also like Gooch. He's got some decent scores at Scottsdale. He was third going into Sunday this year behind Tigala. And he's also got some very good scores on the north course at Torrey Pines. Again, another Wisecoff design. So Taylor Gooch. And the other one I've gone for is Mito Perea. Mito Perea I've gone for. My Chilean friend. He's a 66 to 1 chance. When you look at Mito and you look at where he's gone well on the Corn Ferry, it's all bent grass greens. And you look at his three Corn Ferry titles, 20 under, 21 under and 27 under par were the winning totals. So I like a bit of Mito this week, who's been striking the ball very, very well. I just think he's another one, clearly, doesn't get on with Bermuda grass as well as bent grass. And when we look at Bermuda grass now on the PGA Tour, it basically dominates <laughs> all the way through to the start of April. So it's, it's Bermuda grass city, it really is. I think now you're going to start seeing Mito actually get towards the top of leaderboards now that we're back on bent grass. So just to firm, me, uh, firm up my selections, Brandon Wu at 125 to 1. I've got Mito Pareja at 66s, the same price as Adam Hadwin. Taylor Gooch at 40s. Will Zalatoris at 25 to 1. Right, let's move on to the Sudel Open in Belgium. Indeed, yes. Um, 
Yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's a, a new event, I guess, on the on the circuit. Um, it picks up the reins from what was the Belgian knockout, which ran for a couple of years on the uh, the then European Tour in 2018, 2019, on this particular track, um, just on the outskirts of Antwerp in Belgium. Um, but this time, be back to regular stroke play, uh, full field of 156, and so none of this hybrid stroke play, match play malarkey that we saw last time we were here. Um, fairly looking, fairly typical looking field as well for the DP World Tour. Bernd Wiesberger, favourite, 18 to 1. Thomas Peters, 20s. Sam Horsfield, 22s. Ryan Fox, 22 to 1. Adrian Moronk, 25 to 1. Adrian Otegi, 25s also. Justin Harding, 28s. Thomas Detry, 28 to 1. Oliver Becker, 30 to 1. And Victor Perez, who's been backed heavily in the last day or so, um, 33 to 1. 40 to 1 bar those leading players. So the course, Rinkfen International Golf Club, um, that's the venue on the outskirts of Antwerp, as I said to you, in the north of Belgium this uh, this week. It's a Parkland-style layout, some exposed holes, some tree-lined holes too, so there's a bit of a mix. And um, if we go back to the uh, to the Belgian knockout, we've got the same routing, um, at least it, that's, that's what it looks like from the DP World Tour website right now. Same routing as we saw back in 2018 and 2019, which makes it then a 6,924-yard par 71 uh, with just two par 5s, three par 3s, and then 13 par 4s. So we were talking about last week at the Belfry where they had 12 par 4s, which was uh, kind of more than normal. This time we've got 13 par 4s, assuming there are no late, unannounced alterations to the course and the setup from the uh, from the tour, which, as we know from experience, is their, uh, is their want at various points, but let's let's roll with this for now. So six thousand nine hundred twenty-four yards, a, a, a short par seventy-one, effectively. The greens are Poana based. Uh, they, they are overseeded each year with bent grass, so they try to get it for tournament week around about eighty percent bent, twenty percent power. So predominantly bent grass on the greens this week. Um, we've seen some action here before, so um, we talked about the Belgian knockout. That The last one, 2019, was won by Guido Migliozzi. Uh, 2018 was Adrian Otegi. We've also had a Challenge Tour event, the Telenet, back in 2010. Now, that was won by Lee Slattery at 21 under par. Different routing that week. So um, do take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt. But of course, the 2018-2019 were these hybrid affairs as well. So um, whilst I've got all three results in the um, course data this week, um, there should be asterisks and uh, caveats with each of those three results. So do take them with a pinch of salt. But worth looking for just to give you a flavour of the kind of players who uh, who may go well this week. Uh, in terms of conditions, similar conditions actually to last week. I mean, we're not a million miles away from uh, from England, really, are we? If you travel a little bit, uh, travel a little bit east. Uh, temperatures peaking around about seventy Fahrenheit or so in the afternoons. Five to ten mile an hour winds. The odd gust higher, maybe, but nothing excessive in terms of wind. Uh, sunny spells and the occasional shower should be quite pleasant, I'd imagine, for the for the players this week. Um, and there is a little bit of data from the Belgian knockout, and um, I've listed some of the, the key elements in this week's preview if you're interested and want to understand how um, those uh, stats and how the data fell out of those uh, Belgian knockout events. So you can look at it over two ways. You can look at it either over the third, first 36 holes when they were playing stroke play or with the overall event, which included these nine-hole matches um, on Saturday and Sunday. Bear in mind, though, that the data that's collected is only for the first 36 holes, so um, it is quite sparse, it is quite patchy, um, and it, I, I guess it could lead you down a down a certain path which isn't quite um, isn't quite factually correct because um, it's a very, very small sample size. Anyway, let's go with what we've got. Chris Paisley was the 36-hole leader last time we were here. He was 12 under through the first... Uh, 36 holes so scorable definitely definitely a score can be made I expect it to be high teens under par that kind of number this this week that gets uh, gets the job done uh, Paisley was fourth for strokes gain approach second for strokes gain tee to green fifth for strokes gain putting from his 36 holes so nice all-round performance Guido um, 
he was the overall winner after the match play element was added in. He was first for strokes gain off the tee, first for strokes gain tee to green. So you've got an indication there that a good tidy tee to green game um, is going to be something that um, something that gets you into the uh, into the mix here this week. Uh, looking at 2018, there's no strokes gain stats, so it's all back to the uh, to the basic traditional stats. Jorge Campillo was eight under through 36 holes. He was first for driving accuracy, fifth for greens and regulation, 12th for putting. So I guess if we could have translated that into strokes gained, it wouldn't be dissimilar to what we saw from uh, the following year. Adrian Otegi won that um, with, with the match play. His stats were much more balanced, actually, over the course of... Uh, uh, the course of the week, but uh, or, or the rounds that were captured at least. But uh, yeah, Atag is generally a, quite a neat and tidy player, a decent short game. So yeah, I think there's a fair blueprint there for us to um, to, to base some assumptions and uh, give us a little bit of direction for this week. Uh, one thing that does stick out is the incoming form for all of those four players that I mentioned was really quite positive. Paisley was fourth on his previous start. Uh, Campillo was third on his previous start. Ategi was second on his previous start. And uh, Guido had won in Kenya um, a few weeks before and hadn't missed a cut since that point. So um, some good incoming form um, would seem to be a strong indicator. And uh, yeah, as I say, maybe getting up to 18. You you make it close to 20 under par, something like that, I guess, um, that wins it this week. Um, Given the conditions that we can see. Um, Now, off back five this week. I've led off with um, the course proven Adrian Otegi at 25 to 1. Um, I took that with the eight places that Boyle Sports are offering this week. In fact, um, do check out Boyle's this week. Um, I know we, we harp on about them, but they've gone eight places each way and their prices this week on the, uh, the Sudal Open are amongst the most competitive as well. It's a really good combination of odds and each way places with Boyle's this week. Um, and they seem to be quite flexible with their pricing. There's a lot of changes and a lot of movement up. You don't often see this with the um, any of the golf markets. Um, often the prices just get cut and stay there. But um, I'm seeing price changes going in the opposite direction from Boyle's this week. So um, um, I think it looks to me like they're keeping a very keen eye, a very close eye on what the market's doing this week. So uh, do check them out. Um, before you place your bets, if you want to see if there's a better option out there. Um, Adrian Otegi, 25 to 1 with eight places with Boyles. Um, he won that 2018 Belgian knockout here that I talked about. He also made the weekend when he was defending the following year. Uh, some other decent Belgian results back on the, the Challenge Tour as well. 12th and 20th from two starts in Belgium. I think he just enjoys this part of the world by the looks of it. Excellent form in 2022 so far. Third at Raz Al Khaimah, fifth in Qatar, uh, second at the ISPS Handa Championship in Spain as well. Yeah, reasonable last week. 27th at the Belfry. He was 11th for strokes game putting. That was on Bank Power Greens as well. So you should enjoy the surfaces here this week. Uh, and going back to that par four point. Um, he's 16th for the season for par four scoring. No fluke because he was 15th for the full season last year. And can make a score on a course with lots of par fours and uh, as I said this course is absolutely littered with par fours this week so so yeah Atagi leads my line um, also back to Oliver Becker uh, 28 to 1 I got him again with 8 places um, just to reiterate that point right now I'm seeing Becker at 30 to 1 so I've actually lengthened him um, with ball sports um, with 8 places so um, too late for me. <laughs> I'm done at 28, but um, yeah, some 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 of you guys maybe had to grab him at a better price potentially. Uh, going back to that par four scoring point, he's 11th Oliver Becker for par four scoring this year uh, so far. Again, he should enjoy this test. I think seven times a winner on the Sunshine Tour over the years, still knocking on the door, still hasn't got that breakthrough on the DP World Tour, but it looks like it's coming, doesn't it? There's lots to like from his performance. This season so far, he was ninth twice at Raz Al Khaimah, eighth at the Kenya Open, eleventh uh, at Peakenwood, third at Stain City the following week, tenth uh, at Tarragona, second at Catalonia. He's just getting really, really close. Um, nothing much again. He was twenty seventh last week at the Belfry, um, six over he was through the first ten holes. So he did really well to recover. Um, should enjoy this. The only downside I can um, put with Becker is that he's now overnight qualified for sure for the PGA Championship. So um, let's hope it doesn't overly 
distract and disrupt his plans for this week. And let's hope it takes the um, takes any of the pressure off, and he can free will through this week and uh, and pick up a win potentially. We'll get a serious contention at least. Uh, so yeah, Becker's in. Ashen Woolworth backed as well, fifty to one with eight places. Again, you you can shop around and get lower. Um, each way places in 66 to 1. I've gone for the uh, the, the shorter price and more places this week. Um, digging through the data, I've been trying to find some course correlation. The course, we've only got a couple of years of uh, Belgian knockouts to go with, but the closest correlation I could find was with Diamond Country Club in Austria, which is where they host um, or did host the Austrian Open, the Leoness Open, the Shot Clock Masters. Um, there's quite a lot of um, crossover between players who've played well in the couple of years that we've seen here um, and that particular course over the years. So again, I've listed, I won't go through the full list. There's a list in my preview if you're interested. Uh, suffice it to say, Ashen Wu has won there in the past and I think this shorter setup here would suit him quite nicely. He won the Kenya Open a couple of months back, so he's in decent nick. He was fourth for strokes gained approach that week. Fourth for strokes gained tee to green. Again, another one. I didn't do this deliberately, but he finished 27th last week at the Belfry. Um, he topped the strokes gained putting stats on the week. I think he's a really dangerous contender this week. Ashen Wu at 50 to 1. Uh, Danny Van Tondra backed as well, 66. He's my fourth. I backed him with uh, Paddy with seven places each week, 66 to 1. Um, he's a winner at Karen Country Club. Now, Karen Country Club is where Guido Migliozzi won his uh, Kenya Open. So potentially a little bit of crossover between those two courses as well. He won the South African Open in December. Um, he beat Oliver Becker that week. Now, of course, that won't be classed as a DP World Tour title um, because in the end it was relegated just down to a Sunshine Tour event because of Omicron at the time. But that's his eighth Sunshine Tour win. He's pretty prolific over on that tour um, and he seems to be trending again now. Uh, form going in the right way, stats going in the right way, um, results going in the right direction as well. 64th, 42nd, 27th the last three weeks. Oh, last three outings at least. Um, tenth for strokes game putting last week. Um, I think if he gets his approaches sorted this week, then it could well be game on for Danny Van Tonder this week. Uh, and finally, I've saved a, um, a few pennies for Richard McEvoy. Now, I picked him up yesterday early on at 400 to 1 um, with eight places with Boyles. There's still 275 to 1 with eight places out there. And uh, you know, the price, I think, is worth... Uh, it's worth a couple of quid, I'd say. Where did he pop up the other week? Top five. Yeah, he was third at Where was the that? Uh, Catalonia Championship. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, and he's he's quite capable. He won the Porsche European Open back in 2018. Um, 42 now, and not quite ready to call it a day, I don't think. And as you say, that's a, a recent uh, recent flash of form, a recent mm-hmm. top three finish. And you're getting a price that's you know well into the 200 still. Um, that uh, yeah, it's quite attractive. I, th- I think the shorter track suit him. He's, he's not a long hitter by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he's played here twice. He's made the weekend twice. He's got other Belgian form and different tracks as well. Eighth and 21st and a couple of Challenge Tour events. So um, at the price on offer, I thought it was worth taking a small punt on. Uh, so that's my five, McAvoy, Danny Van Tonder, Ashen Wu, Oliver Becker, and at the top, Adrian Ategi. Uh Now, who's actually going to win them, Barry? <laughs> oh, this this is the week for the transatlantic double, Paul, is it? Well, I hope so, um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've picked a couple of guys that had uh, good results to their name in the knockout just to grab the kind of the course... Um, mm. Bit of course form because I just find it really hard to read into the recent form of the European Tour and draw any decent conclusions from it. So yeah. I've gone for Gavin Green mm. and um, sorry Jeff Winter. Yep, yep, yep. Both both on my shortlist, Barry. Um, very much for the same reasons. Green, yeah, I forget without looking, but it's something like eighth and seventh after the uh, thirty-six hole. Um, Put at the thirty-six hole point of this these two tracks over the, or this this track over the years as well that he's played it. So, um, from a stroke play perspective, he's uh, he's done really quite well. I I I struggled to I struggled to back him. I struggled to see him actually getting over the line. But he's he's 
talented enough to do it. He's um, it will come at some point, I think. Yeah, and w- yeah. W- 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 yeah, yeah, that's sixth in Abu Dhabi, but further back in the year, the start of the year was a real eye opener, and uh, he could do it. And I'm willing to. I'm going to go, go with him one more time for JC Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so close last week, so we'll just we'll keep on board. I know the price is halved now, but um, not going to be price proud. I'll stick with him this one more week. Yep, fair enough. Yeah, he's been playing some nice stuff, Richie. So I can see your logic. Couldn't put you off any of those. I don't think. So best of luck, Steve. Anything from you, Victor Perez? I've got fifty to one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been backed writing, hasn't he? He's- I only, I only did that on the basis I go through the strokes gain numbers, as you know, and his strokes gain numbers uh, were eye catching for me. Mm. I think he was. Fourth off the tee, sixteenth for approach, nineteenth tee to green. He just seems to be struggling at the moment around the green, which can be kind of sorted out very quickly. He bled strokes terribly at um, Belfry around the green, and just putting. I mean, he, he putted positively for the last two events, and then he was pretty much neutral last week. So I don't think Perez is far far away. Um, I also went independently for Ashen Wu, who. You actually look at Ashen Wu, like you said, he does re- did he win the KLM Open? Yep. Yep. So he's won in Holland, won the Netherlands, you know, in the country next door. Plays well, yeah, all over Northern Europe. Um also got that Kenya Open kind of form that links through across. So just tight, tree lined, bent grass green kind of courses. Yeah, yeah, it's a slightly different course to the one that Guido won on, but yeah, um it's not dissimilar in terms no. of the style. It's very, very similar. No. So I would have thought it's very similar to this. If you're going for a hot hand, yeah, I, I wouldn't be. I, I, I haven't backed him personally, but I might. It's that JC Ritchie chap. Because we mm. do see this, don't we? These South Africans, they, they come over with hot form from their own tour. And they, they come to DP World Tour level and they on the right courses with bent grass. They just keep that going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, the big, long... Um, Altitude courses get you know when when you've boiled it down over there to what they actually translate to, often they are kind of sure. seven thousand yard Parkland style yep. tracks. I mean, that's um, with bent grass greens. It's yeah, there's a lot of correlation there. You can you can make a case for a lot of the South Africans on that kind of line of thought. I think. Good. I think that's good. us, chaps. Is that correct? Mm. Are we all done. Yeah, all done. PGA Tour or PGA Championship preview later in the week. PGA Championship Research Podcast. Yes, we'll do that. I think we're going to record it on Thursday. So it might be out Thursday, listeners. Um, Could be Friday, but expect Thursday. I'm desperately trying to find out what the actual course yardage is for the PGA Championship. And I never thought it'd be a problem, but it is a problem. Because I'm seeing different yardages on different outlets. And the PGA Championship website that I've seen is still linked. Well, it doesn't give you any details on the course. Mm. which is great a week before their um, major, isn't it? So well done, PGA of America. Excellent uh, excellent way to keep your golfing public fully informed. Well, if any listeners have got an absolutely definitive number, then uh, tweet it over to us and uh, we can uh, we can update our thoughts yes. and uh, previews on the back of that. I think we can safely say, though, it's going to be long <laughs> and it's either a par 70 or a par 71. Mm. So it's going to be tough, mate. Um, yes, yeah, so we'll be back later this week with the PGA Championship Research Podcast. I hope your bets go well, chaps. Yeah, best of luck, guys. You too, boys. Best of luck to the listeners. We'll see you again next, uh, later this week. Cheerio. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved all the stats and the tips and so much more cause it's the golf betting system the golf betting